Today, I'm going to be sharing with you three types of Bible promises that will surprise you. These are th many times we're trying to apply the words of God to our life, and uh, many times when we go through, we don't really understand what we're saying, what we're reading, but then we come across a little promise, and we're like, oh, I like that, and we like tuck that away, but then we don't really understand the context of what's going on. And sometimes we hear promises, but we're like, okay, that sounds really nice and flowerly and like nice, but how do I apply this practically in my everyday life so that I can find lasting change, victories that will go from one victory to the next? Today, I'm going to be sharing with you three types of promises that you could apply to your life in some surprising ways. And hopefully, this can transform your lives as it has mine and many of our students. This was a conversation that we're having recently, and this was an epiphany, especially the third one. I've never heard it explained this way, so I'm super excited to be able to share with you today. This is fresh, right off the, the presses within the last week or so. But first, let me introduce myself. My name is Enoch Leffingwell, and here at the Army of Youth, we are passionate about helping young people identify their unique talents and dedicate them to the Lord's service. So if that's something that interests you, I encourage you to subscribe or click uh, like or follow us on social so that you can get more messages like this. So the three ways to, three types, the different categories of Bible promises are as this. Well, the first of all, in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 4, the Bible says, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these we may be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So <clears throat> God is actually promising us that you and I could be partakers of the divine nature. Can you imagine when our, it's our second nature it, or it is our, our, our um, first response to do righteousness habitually or to do the right thing like consistently? That's a type of nature that God is wanting to give us, but it's through these promises there are precious promises, specific promises, when applied, when implemented correctly, when applied to our life in the right way, then they bring freedom, they bring liber liberty. And number one is uh, this, is the promise that the, these are when, whenever God says like uh, these regular promises, but there's this two letter word that makes all the difference. And it's if. So oftentimes what he says, like in Exodus 15, 26, he says, if you diligently listen to the voice of the God of your God and do his commandments, then I will put none of the diseases upon you, which I've also brought upon the Egyptians. So people read that oftentimes. And the problem is we say, oh, God promises never to put all the diseases upon us. We're like, I'm going to claim that. And then we get sick. And we're like, what just happened? Well, the condition was not fulfilled. There are conditions to every promise, and it is so essential that we identify what is the condition. So I challenge you, my friend, whenever you see a promise, look for the word if, look for the condition. It's always there. We have a part to play. As 1 Corinthians says, we are co-labors together with God. So we, surely God is a better workman of the two, but we have a part to play. He's uh, promising blessings, but there's a, there's a, something that we have to do. So when we supply our part, whatever small that is, God does his massive part. He takes care of the big how when we take care of the little how, if, if you understand what I'm saying. So 
the the first one is is these uh promises that are like these if and then they're conditional promises these are all throughout the bible these are probably the most popular that most people are used to but the second one is a little um is a little less um popular people don't usually think of them as much and that is the second type of promise are commands now Every command, whether physical or moral, contains or implies a promise. This is a beautiful thing. So when you're going through the Ten Commandments, well, God is saying that you, thou shalt not uh, covet, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not commit adultery. All these things, God is actually promising you. He's saying you will not steal. You will not commit adultery. You're not going to do these things. And in in John chapter 15, 14, God says, if you love me, keep my commandments. When you really love God, and, and this is a love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous to us, as First John says. So when we really believe that God loves us and he means to do us well, then we are going to want to, as a psalmist said, I'm, I delayed not. I made haste to keep thy commandments in Psalms 119, 165. So it's going to be our natural desire. Our, our, our first impulses were like, we want to serve God and obey him because we love him. So whatever the commands, God is actually promising you. When Jesus said in Matthew 28, 20, that all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth, that means all power from everywhere has been invested to Jesus, the omnipotence of God. Right after saying this, he says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations. What does therefore mean? It's in light of me having all power. He is saying, therefore, go and teach all nations. Meaning that you, when man links his will with the will of God, our will becomes omnipotent. There is no limit to what can be done, what Christ could do through you because every command contains or implies a promise. The Great Commission was not a great suggestion. It was a command to every believer to go forth, to dedicate their talents to Christ and to dedicate them to His service, to develop our talents for His cause. So whatever God is calling you to do, whatever God is convicting your heart and your conscience to do, know that that contains a promise that you don't have to be bound to yourself in that regard, but you can actually be set free. And that, that conviction in the command implies the promise. So when you look all throughout the Word of God, instead of seeing a bunch of rules and regulations and, and arbitrary exactions, we can see precious promises like, wow, God is going to give us liberty and freedom from this. As is in James chapter 1, the, it's talked about this man who was blessed in all his ways. And the word blessed means happy. Do you want to be happy? The secret of being happy in this verse in James 1 is that um, we walk in the perfect law of liberty. The laws are liberating. They're setting us free. They're not bringing us unto bondage. So that is a second type of promise, is that whatever God's commanded, He has promised. All of His biddings are enablings. There is a promise contained in the commands. So that's a second type of promise. The third type of promise is my favorite and the one I'm super excited to share with you, and that is uh, the example of Christ. Now, in order to really value and understand this, we have to first recognize our identity in Christ. 
See, Colossians chapter 3, it talks about when Christ, who is our life, shall appear. Then shall you appear with him in glory. It doesn't say that Christ is going to be your life or Christ will be your life. It's now, in the present tense, Christ is your life. Your identity is in Christ. What does that mean? That means you are who Christ says you are. And when you go through the word of God and you realize all these things that God says, we realize that there's another voice in Revelation 12 calls the accuser of our brethren. And he's constantly saying, you're stupid, you're, uh, you're slow, you can't, you can't uh, find victory, you'll never learn, you'll never grow, you'll never overcome. All of these different thoughts go through the mind. But ask, whose voice is that? That's not your voice, that's the voice of the enemy. Because he's the accuser of the brethren and he doesn't stop. And remember that woman that was caught in adultery. When Jesus said, said um, let him, who, I mean, there's a bunch of men who was about to stone her. And he starts writing in the sand. He's like, let him who is without sin cast the first stone. And as he's writing all of their sins in the stand, they start dropping their stones and they all scatter. And he looks to the woman who's caught in adultery. You can imagine the fear and the timidity. She almost lost her life. She's guilty. She's there. She's probably naked. And Jesus looks down at her with compassion. Just as he looks at you and I and he says, Woman, where is thine accusers? And they're gone. And he says, Neither do I accuse thee. Go and sin no more. In that promise, go and sin no more. God is proclaiming liberty to the captive. And he's showing that you are not under that bondage. You're not, your past doesn't determine your future. That your identity is now in me. And when you are forgiven, and when you are abiding in Christ, then his life is your life. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. This is present tense, friends. I want you to see this today. If you hear my voice, Harden not your heart and really recognize that God is seeking to give you a new identity, a new uh, nature, a divine nature, that through these precious promises that you could be partakers of the divine nature. So what this looks like is anywhere in the life of Christ, this is, this is where things get incredible, this is where things get shocking and surprising and exhilarating, is when you realize whatever Christ said, whatever Christ lived, whatever Christ is, so are you. So can we say, so can we be. So when he says, I come not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. I came to seek and save that which is lost. Then no longer are we just looking at the mission of Jesus and saying, oh yeah, Jesus came here to save sinners. But we can actually take that and what he said was a promise. If my identity is in Christ, what Christ did because of who Christ is, and I'm me abiding in him, and as Colossians 1.27 says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. It is Christ in me. Therefore, I, Enoch, Leffingwell, am come to seek and save that which is lost. This can be my promise. This can be how I can claim this and my identity in him. So when I am going into the grocery store, I'm thinking, I am come to seek and save that which is lost. And when I'm opening up my car door, I am here to seek and save that which is lost. When I'm in a conversation, an argument with someone who's just treating me bad or they're just, they're not understanding or listening and they're just really upset, 
I could affirm, I could claim the promise, I am here to seek and save that which is lost. And no matter what this situation, wherever I'm going, not only seeking to receive a blessing, but to be a blessing. Why? Because I am come to seek and save that which is lost. Why am I? Because Christ is. And who Christ is, so are we when we abide in Christ. Are you guys catching what I'm saying? If you could just get this, it is incredible. It'll change the way that you look. You read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Because when you see the life of Christ, I want you to see your life in Him. One of the worst things that we could say is, yeah, I'm not there yet. Or, yeah, that's Christ and this is me. We're like, when we separate, we're actually missing out on one of the most beautiful connections we can have with our Savior. And it's just a belief. You can change your belief in a second, in a moment, and you can choose to accept the identity that Christ is offering you so that you can have the life of Christ. You can have the joy and the peace and the fulfillment that Christ has to offer. That if you've already tried things like me for so many years, doing it our own way, and we get sick and tired of being sick and tired, then what if we take Christ up on His Word? What if we choose to accept the promises of God and apply them to our own life so that we can have that fulfillment that Christ is seeking to offer? So friends, I encourage you the next time, before, during, and after temptation, start affirming the precious promises of God in the three ways, recognizing He has conditions to every promise. And two, so one of them could be those conditional promises. That's the first type. The second is um, every command that contains or implies a promise. And the third is the example and life of Christ. Because of who He is, when Christ is abiding in us, so are we. Our identity is in Christ. So whatever Christ said, did, is, we can be too by His grace. That is how we can be partakers of the divine nature and escape so much of the pain, the misery, and the sorrow that is caused by sin. So this is my encouragement to you. I This just clicked in my mind like this last week, and I was so excited to share with you because I know it's going to help you too. So friends, if you enjoyed this, I have a uh, free mini course uh, Bible study that's called Four Secrets to Make Your Devotions Irresistibly Interesting. If you want to know how to make the Bible come alive like you've never seen before and be able to find these nuggets and gems for yourself and just study things that are so intensely interesting that it's hard for you to put down the Word of God, then I encourage you to go over to the website thearmyofyouth.com forward slash devotions and sign up for a free training. It's free. That's again thearmyofyouth.com forward slash devotions and sign up for the four secrets to make your devotions irresistibly interesting. I hope that you enjoyed this. If you did, hit like, share this with someone else who you think could be a blessing, and remember that God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called.